Dexter was a big one because I was nominated for a SAG award for best ensemble cast that year. That was exciting. I would have to say every New Yorker and every New York actor does, you know, Law and Order. And that to me was <laughs> huge. Like everyone was like, oh my gosh, you're a Law and Order. And I totally thought I made it. My big moment really was the Yao Ming commercial. I was in GQ magazine when GQ was out. That's how old I am. <laughs> Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, welcome to fall, everyone. Today, we have the amazing actor, April Hernandez-Castillo, who will be talking to us about her career. But before we get to April, I want to talk a little bit about you. Your brand. Now, this past week, I was working with a major professional sports team, and we were talking all about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and really building their strategy to drive inclusion within their club. And one of the things that I kept coming back to when I was working with this team was this whole notion of being intentional, right? When we're creating that strategy, we have to be intentional and not haphazard, right? We need to be intentional about what is it that we're trying to solve for? What is it that we're trying to do? And intentional in how we are trying to execute it. And I had that moment where I was thinking, wow, this work that I'm doing on diversity strategy is so much the same as the work that we're all doing on our own brand strategy. Because at the end of the day, it is about making choices. It is about making consciously competent and smart choices that are intentional about who you want to be and how you want to show up. So, so often we're on autopilot. Even when we've done our personal and professional brand work, we're kind of going through work. We're kind of going through our career on autopilot. Well, you know, autopilot can be great, right? Cruise control can be great. But I want you to stop and put your hands right on that steering wheel and ask yourself, what am I intentionally doing this week to show up on brand? What am I choosing to do? And most importantly, What am I choosing not to do because it takes me off brand? 
Well, I am super excited for today's guest. It is April Hernandez-Castillo, who is an author, an actor, and a keynote speaker. Now, April's dream became a reality when she booked her very first commercial as the Yo Girl in the Visa Check Card spot, starring Yao Ming and Yogi Berra. The commercial would end up airing for the Super Bowl and become a sports classic. She then went on to star in television shows such as Law and Order SVU, The Following, Person of Interest, and Elementary. April garnered a recurring role on Showtime's Dexter, which she was nominated for a SAG nomination for Best Ensemble Cast. April is most noted for her powerful portrayal as Ava Benitez in the hit movie Freedom Writers, starring Oscar winner Hilary Swank. She's also worked on NBC's popular show New Amsterdam, Prodigal Son, and Gossip Girl. April has also graced a different stage as a public speaker. Her message of resilience, overcoming adversity, and the ability to move beyond trauma has taken her on a journey across the United States and internationally. Reaching an array of audiences from high schools, universities, and conferences, she has spoken on some of the most prestigious stages, starting from Harvard University, Q Conference, to her biggest stage to date, at TEDx. She's also the author of the book, Embracing Me. We'll be back in just a few moments with April Hernandez-Castillo. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I am thrilled about today's guest. It is actor, keynote speaker, and author April Hernandez Castillo. April, what is going on? Oh, life is good. Life is good. Thank you so much for having me. Well, of course, April, I am so thrilled to talk to you today. So let's dive right in. My first question for you, as someone that is always out in the community helping, you're constantly on auditions. How is it that you introduce yourself and explain who you are and what you do? Oh, I love that. How do I introduce myself? So let me tell you a quick story. I usually, you know, when we, especially as women, we introduce ourselves as, oh, I'm a mom, I'm a wife. And I began to look at myself and say, I'm so much more than just that. Mm -hmm. And a few years ago, when people would ask me that wonderful question, I would say, well, first and foremost, I'm a creative, I'm a dreamer, I'm a risk taker, I am loud. I am Latina. I am a mom. I am a wife. I'm dope. So that has been my introduction. (laughs) I love the dope part. I'm just, you know, it's like, who has time to just, you just got to like embrace where you are. But I really began thinking about those adjectives because I realized like women are so afraid to really put ourselves out there if we're not including motherhood and if you are married um we're just like afraid like oh my gosh are people gonna think that we're not excited about that but we're we're so much more 
Yeah, so much more. And and so just professionally, you do so many things, right, as, a, as an actor and an author and a, a speaker. So talk to me, what exciting things are you working on right now? Right now, my speaking career has accelerated into a whole new realm of audiences, um, some that I never thought I would even enter into, which is really exciting. When I began speaking, which was after, you know, I'm um, shooting the movie Freedom Riders, I realized the power of story and I realized I had my own story. Um, and so I, I did like the high school and those kinds of events. And then I thought, you know, I'm in a different space now. And and I I was able to do a TEDx talk, which was pretty amazing. That's every speaker's, you know, dream. Yeah. But right now, I mean, just growing more as a speaker, like I said, doing other stages. My daughter, who's also an actor, I'm managing her career, which is pretty interesting because it's very busy. Um, and I'm looking to write like my third book. Ooh. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see what what inspires me. But yes, I'm, I have that itch to write a third book. Yeah. So April, take us, take us back to the beginning. I know a lot of people want to go into acting, but tell us a little bit about your first break and what really got you into this successful on-screen career. Listen, I'm going to age myself. I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> okay. Let's just be real. Let's to all your listeners. We're just, you know, this is when I was around when, and I'm sure you were, when we had the dial up, we had to wait for AOL. <laughs> Um, and <laughs> so, you know, I'm old, uh, but I'm fabulous, darling. And it was one of those things where I went to Hunter College in New York City because I thought I was going to become a nutritionist or a something with athleticism. And I walked into the chemistry class and then I walked right out because I was like, oh, hell no, this pretty face does not do science. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. <laughs> And I said I needed something. And so there was an acting class. And I always say that acting found me. And I and I changed all of my electives and I just started eating everything up. And back then we just had like New York castings and we yeah. had backstage. And it was such a different hustle than it is today. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have any social media. So you actually had to bust your butt. Um, and it just happened really quick. So my first official paying job was the Yao Ming commercial with Yogi Berra. And I was known as the Yo Girl. Yeah. And it was, and it was on the Super Bowl, right? It was on their Super Bowl. Hello. And it's one of like the top 50 or something like that of, of like funny Super Bowl commercials. And that was the first time I got paid. And I was like, oh, hello, darling. I like this. <laughs> I'm not doing any more background work. Sorry. <laughs> like, it was just, you know. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm not saying other actors to do that. But it was, my, my career happened very fast. I started booking show after show. And then Freedom Riders opened up a whole new world. Yeah, yeah. And so talk to me. What, what was... What were some of the breakthroughs ahead of Freedom Riders for you? I mean, I know you've been on so many things. We've seen you on SVU mm -hmm. and Elementary, and I know you were on Dexter on Showtime. Yes, Dexter was a big one because I was nominated for a SAG Award for Best Ensemble Cast that year. That was exciting. I would have to say every New Yorker and every New York actor does, you know, Law and Order. And that, to me, was <laughs> huge, like... 
everyone was like, oh my gosh, you're a law and order. And I totally thought I made it. My big moment really was the Yao Ming commercial. I was in GQ magazine when GQ was out. That's how old I am. Um, <laughs> people were like, what? What is that? Two letters? No. And uh, But before that, I started as a stand-up comedian. Ooh. Yes. I started. Most people don't know that because I never do anything funny. But I did stand-up comedy for about a year. I auditioned for Mad TV. And my dream was to be on SNL. Mm. Hmm. And so, so how did stand up help you in all of this work, which is is really more in in the drama space? It's it's amazing how much I I use stand up comedy when I am on stage speaking to audiences. Mm. Number one, I'm not. I hope people don't hate me for this, but most women are not really funny. When we are delivering our stories, we're not up there like, oh, hey, you know, trying to make the people laugh. We go up there, we do our thing. And for me, that's that's my superpower. That's the thing that sets me apart where I've gone to many, you know, speaking events and people are like, I wasn't expecting to laugh like I, I wasn't expecting that. And that makes me feel great because I do know that that was my training And let me tell you something. I I always tell every speaker, anyone who's looking to get into the industry, you should be taking acting classes and improv classes because it keeps you on your toes. And, and you Mm. know, you know this being a speaker. So many things happen. You know, you work out a 45 minute keynote and then they give you 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're just like, (laughs) okay, so you want me so you want me to be inspirational, motivational in 10 minutes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) okay that's fine i told you know it's like it's like telling somebody oh i was in this tv show and then they go and watch and you're there for like five seconds you know you're like i was there though i was there and i got yeah (laughs) yeah exactly now tell me as an actor what is some of the advice that you have for for people who are out there in in the business where there's a lot of rocky roads, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you've been very fortunate to not only work but work in things that are you know household household names and 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 shows shows and films. How did you get through some of the hard times when you know you weren't necessarily getting parts or you weren't necessarily getting called for things that you really felt that you should be called for? Ooh, that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So when you are in between jobs as an actor or you go through what I call your slump, which most actors do, and there are times where it could be years that no matter what you do, you're just not working, you're just not booking. Number one, you have to find a support team. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, when I mean support, I'm talking about people who will just remind you of your gift remind you of why you started, remind you why you fell in love with acting. So that's Mm. number one, finding your support group. Number two, find ways to create your own content. Now we live in a content creating world and you can literally create your own show. And and that's what companies are looking for. So they have, actors have such a greater advance um, than I do, than I did when I started because we didn't have any access to the social media world. So start creating and stop waiting. Yeah. Create, don't wait. That's what I tell that. <laughs> and then number three, Words you, to just, live by. you know, you just drink a little wine and it gets you through. That's just me. 
<laughs> exactly. Now, talk to me a little bit about Freedom Writers, because I know that that was a pivotal p- moment in your career, obviously working with Hilary Swank, who, who's uh, an Oscar winner. How did Freedom Writers come around? And, and tell us a little bit more about how that changed kind of your direction. Freedom Writers started in New York City in the sense of I auditioned twice here. I didn't know anything about the impact that Freedom Writers had. Um, I didn't really understand the, the, the capacity of this movie being made. Once again, I'm just an actor. I go for an audition. I end up booking another TV show in L.A. called ER before Grey's Anatomy. And that made me move to L.A. And I didn't have Freedom Writers yet. And then I auditioned the third time. And then I finally book it. And I remember walking in the room and seeing two-time Oscar winner Hilary Swank. And, of course, my mouth dry. I got all dry and I got all, like, hot. And then I thought, oh, no. Well, I'm here, too. So, hello. And... (laughs) And it was this amazing experience once I really understood the story, once I really understood, you know, the the vision of Erin Gruel for her students. And obviously, if you have not watched Freedom Writers, it is about um, uh, students in Wilson High School in L.A. <clears throat> who 150 students, they no one expected ex- expected them to graduate. They, they were just students that no one cared about. And this teacher came in and really saw the gems that they were. So that mm. was that experience, how it changed my life. Once again, it gave me the courage to begin sharing my own story of being a survivor of teen dating violence, which catapulted my speaking career. Yeah. Yeah. And so so tell us a little bit about that story, because I know that also mm-hmm. inspired you to become an author. Correct. I was in an abusive relationship from 16 to about 19 and a half years old. And I, I fell in love with someone who physically and emotionally abused me uh, to the point where he nearly took my life. And then mm. I began having suicidal ideations. And it was a day that I, I didn't want to live anymore, mm. where I thought, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live. But there was something inside of me that just did not let me make that decision. And for me, that was God. You know, I, I got on my knees and I prayed and I said, God, if you give me the strength, I promise you two things. I promise you I would leave. And I promise you that I will speak about my story to whomever, for however I live on this earth. And I've been doing that for over 10 years now. Yeah. Yeah. And and tell me a little bit about the books, because I know that's been a, a big way that you've been able to touch even more people. Yes, there's something so powerful when you, there's one thing of speaking about your story, but then there's Mm. writing it because obviously there are certain things that I can't, or I just still don't feel comfortable sharing on a stage, especially if I'm talking to kids, Yeah. but writing my memoir, um, embracing me, I wrote it at the height of the pandemic. And it really was this moment of saying, here's my life for the last 20 years. How do I take everything I've experienced from being abused to having an abortion to having my highs, you know, being becoming this actor that everyone knows, but all the in-betweens that people don't know about me. I think we glorify the product of people, yeah, but we don't understand the value of the process. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. And and talk to me, what is it that you needed to do to kind of peel the onion and understand the process behind you, knowing that you had been through these very traumatic experiences? The layers, the core of that onion, that it was part of my story uh, up until just a couple of years was revealing my abortion. And I, I feel with the topic that it just doesn't go away. I figured, yeah. I, I really think I should share this, but I'm still very afraid because people are still so very judgmental. But then again, I don't really care what people think about me. And I knew the level of freedom that I experienced. And I, and I said, that's, that's the woman that I'm writing it for. I'm writing it for that mm. woman who hasn't been able to share in over 30 years that she had an abortion. I'm, I'm, doing this for the woman who's who's feeling so much shame and guilt because she made a decision um, where she just felt like that was the only right decision that she can make. And to me, there was so much freedom. So now I, I can talk about it. But just a few years ago, I would suffer from panic attacks. I would because, you know, that's not that's not something where you're like, hey, girl, <laughs> what's some coffee? I had an abortion. You know, it's, it's just... <laughs> You know, it's just, it's just not like, Hey, it's, I mean, for some women, it it may not be as traumatic, but for me, the abortion was way more traumatic than the actual abuse that I endured. Yeah. Yeah. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your, talk about your brand. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so give me three words that would describe your brand as an actor an author and a speaker. I would say transparent, bold, risk taker. Ooh, I love that. Transparent, bold, and risk taker. And how do you show up as transparent, bold, and a risk taker in your life? How does that show up? I show up. I I am who I am with my daughters as I am on stage. I've reached a level of honesty and transparency about myself that I don't have time for bullshit. Can I say that? (laughs) Like I don't have, I don't, (laughs) I just, I don't have time for fluff. And I also believe that when someone hires me to speak into people's lives, there are people who are truly suffering and in the darkness. And I am there to show you what transparency looks like. It's about this freedom to truly own and stand in your truth and in your healing, but you don't have to spill all the tea. Mm. Yeah. Because I think people think that when you are transparent, you have to spill all the tea. And I'm like, no, you don't need to know everything, but this is who I am. I have, I'm, I'm arriving I have arrived at certain places and I'm still going bold because number one, I always wear red lipstick, darling. And (laughs) I mean, it's an ode to my mother. And I just believe that more and more women are stepping into their boldness. But I think some of us are still sort of, you know, is it too much? And then risk taker. That's all I've ever done my entire life. Yeah. Believing in myself to do stand up comedy was the biggest risk I've ever taken. Yeah. Other than me and my husband, who was like, oh, yeah, sure. You could totally do it. I was like, I can. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then when you're writing your material, you're like, why did I say I was going to do this? I'm going to die right now. But 
that's how I've always lived my life. And, and, and I'm, and I'm so over people associating Latinas with just being spicy. And I'm like, no, we're, we're so much more than that. Um, we're, we're passionate. We know who we are and we love hard and everything that we do, we do with all of our heart. Yeah. And so you said that you've always been this risk taker. Now, were you always transparent and bold or has that really evolved over time for you? That definitely has evolved over time. That has evolved. I think it, it truly evolved. And it's when I gave my TEDx talk, which was called the gift of transparency. So I experienced yeah. severe postpartum. Becoming a mother was very, very hard for me just because of my own trauma, right? My relationship with my mother, my abortion and my abuse. You're kind of like, I'm never having children. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> There's no baby coming out of me because, oh my gosh, I'm a hot mess. So I was severely depressed and I grabbed um, my Percocet pills. I went into the bathroom as my daughter was crying. And I wanted to not wake up. Mm. And once again, I heard that voice and the voice said, get out and go. The one thing I know is that when I need help, I ask for it. So I called my therapist and I sat in her office and she asked me the one question that most people never ask a new mother. How are you feeling? Mm. And I took a moment and I was like, in a very colorful language, I said, I'm effing angry. I'm angry. I'm this. I feel bamboozled. No one told me how, how hard this would be. And as I was saying this, she just, she just sat there. She created this safe space for me to truly be transparent. And she said, this is how you are going to heal. And whoever asks you about how you're feeling about motherhood, you need to be this honest. So if I may share a little story. Yes. You know, we should be careful what we ask for. <laughs> I was in church. <laughs> you know, I was in church and it was amazing. And this woman who, you know, my, my daughter, she was like, oh, she's so beautiful. How's motherhood? And I was like, I hate it. God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. She didn't know what to do. <laughs> she didn't know what to do with that. And that was the beginning of really owning my transparency. Mm. So I am transparent wow. with my daughters. If I have a hard day, I cry. If I'm not feeling well, I tell them because why lie? I don't tell them everything, yeah. right? I obviously have a gauge of how much I reveal, but I just don't have that capacity to, to put up a front. Yeah. Yeah. And talk to me from a work perspective. Obviously, that is very helpful to turn up the volume on as an author, right? As a speaker. But talk to me about how that works as a working actor to be transparent when people are almost looking for you to be a blank slate to be a character that somebody else wrote. I think transparency plays into acting really not so much in front of the camera, but the business side. Mm. It is yeah. the acting business. It is show business. It is 99% hustle, grind. And once in a blue moon, you get to actually act. <laughs> <laughs> once in a blue moon, you actually get to do what you love. But no one prepares you for the pitfalls, for the moments of yeah. doubt. And and so what I tell actors is the moment that you say you want to begin become an actor... 
you have to understand, number one, don't sell your soul for a role. Mm. And that goes with anyone in any kind of career. We all want yeah. greatness and we all want success. But at what cost? Yeah. Um, number two, what are your non-negotiables? What are you willing and not willing to do? And I and I think that we've reached a different level in Hollywood now because women are, they own their voice. And they, they say, no, I, yeah. I don't want to get naked. I don't want to have to reveal my body. I don't want to have to be, you know, all these... Um, all these pitfalls that women have fallen into over the years, you know, yeah. and, and I think about like Marilyn Monroe casting couch was God only knows what happened with all the Harvey Weinstein's and all this. So women are way more empowered to speak their minds and, and say, no, yeah. I don't want to do this. And I'm willing to lose work because I have my dignity and integrity. Wow. Yeah. And, and that, and that also feels bold. So, very so talk bold. to me how you came in. How, how, tell me how you've come into your boldness, too, as a professional. Well, when you have a Puerto Rican mother who, <laughs> <laughs> who was fierce, honey, my mother, before I would go out into audition, she would say this to me, and it's something I live by. She would say, go grab the bull by the balls. <laughs> All the time. Grab the bull by the balls. And I was like, mom, I don't know what you're talking about, but okay. But if you think about that concept, you're facing this bull, which is the acting world, which is the doubt, which is the fear, which is all, all of these things. And she wanted me to create this mindset that no matter how big this bull or lion, you go and you go after it. And if you're going to do this, you do it a, a thousand percent. And so that's where my mm -hmm. level of boldness comes in. And when I'm on stage, you know, I'm five feet, but I'm really like a giant because that's just my voice is loud. I, I'm, I walk all over stage, I guess, because I'm a performer. I understand stage. I understand yeah. connecting. I understand how to use my voice, all of that stuff. And so that's where the bold, boldness comes. Yeah. And I know so many of our listeners identify themselves as as introverts, uh, maybe more on the quiet side. What are some some tricks or tips of the trade that you would have for those people who need to kind of turn up the volume and get on stage uh, in order to propel their career? I absolutely love introverts because sometimes I want to be one. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right. If only we if could only shut up one time. <laughs> Right. There's this, this there's this thing that I think introverts have that makes them so special. They have the ability to really take in the world in a way that an extrovert or someone who identifies as like a, you know, flamingo, you know, you're just walking in there and there's pink everywhere, darling. Um, but, <laughs> but they have this ability to look at the world and say, I'm going to take everything in. I don't need to be this whole loud person. But if you do struggle with wanting to be a bit more colorful. I mean, the greatest thing is always easier to play for a little while someone else. That's what we do mm. as actors. We we yeah. find the truth in this imaginary world. So I, I work with speakers who are new and we go through this, like finding your animal spirit. Who do you identify with? And we do all these exercises. So if you know you're really quiet, then I'm going to make you roar like a lion. And and, I, yeah. and and if you've watched Tony Robbins, his his pre-show 
what he does to get to that level. Yeah. Um, and, and think about, is there an actress that you've seen that you like the way she moves? You like the way she talks and you begin studying her. So I always tell act, uh, speakers like study these kinds of personalities and really begin adding them to you, but don't lose yourself. And I know that's hard because I'm trained to do that. Um, but really like finding the animal in you, that's always a great exercise. Yeah. Yeah. I love how it all comes back to, uh, to acting and all those foundational pieces, right. That really help us present in an intentional way. Absolutely. I mean, because if you think about it, we are performing, we are performing with the intention of motivation of giving out information, um, but we're there. We're the we masters of ceremony. We have the ability to make the crowd cry uh, up and down. And when you know that as a speaker, I mean, it's like the most powerful thing ever. Yeah. So, April, uh, a couple of fun questions to uh, close us out. Uh-oh. We've been talking about your, you know, uh, risk taking and bold and transparent brand. What? brand are you obsessed with as a consumer? What what consumer brand out there can you not live without? I think I would have to say Tony Robbins, his brand. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you why. I saw his movie, the documentary, I'm Not Your Guru. And it was great, mm-hmm. right? It was fantastic. But it wasn't until the end where the director said, Tony, why do you still do this? Right? You're known around the world. You've done this for so many years. And he quietly said, because I know what it's like to be in pain. I know what it's mm. like to have trauma. And I don't want the people who are sitting in front of me to continue living their lives that way. Mm. And I, I, like, I get emotional because I saw Tony in a completely different space. And I thought, yeah. oh, that's his why. That's the core for everything that he does. And so I would have to say it would be Tony. Yeah. And now if you were a type of car, what type of car would April Hernandez Castillo be? Oh, if I was a car, I, <laughs> <laughs> I would say I am in between. Oh, my goodness. I would say a huge Ford truck. and a ferrari Ooh, and why are you a hybrid of that ford truck and a ferrari because i can turn up and i do have a big personality and i feel you know maybe it's just like this short complex thing that when you get out of this truck no one thinks that you'll jump out of it but then a ferrari is just classic and just they don't need to do anything you already know that brand Whatever you see mm. from Ferrari, you know what it stands for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do you stand for? Exactly what I said. Standing in your truth, <laughs> owning your voice, um, being as transparent as you can be, living boldly, and, and, and loving. Loving yourself. Loving yourself, even if it's mm. just for a little bit, um, but really understanding that we all have a great purpose in life. Mm. And finally, April, what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? I would say, for me, knowing your non-negotiables, really Mm. understanding what your foundation is. What do you stand on? What is your moral compass? What drives your decisions? 
if you can create that early on, that will always keep you at, at keep you on a grounded level. And I'm not talking about like, oh, you have to be yeah. humble and all that. I'm saying just your feet on the floor and you know that you think about every decision. That to me is where I am in my career now as an actor, as a speaker, as an author, just constantly going back to what, what I know is right for me. Mm. Well, wise words, April, thank you so much for being so transparent, so bold and being the fabulous risk taker that you are. It was great connecting with you. You as well. Thank you so much. And April, the book is Embracing Me. Tell us where can we find the book? Embracing Me is on Amazon.com. That's the best place to get it. Uh, Yeah, check it out. It's a fantastic book. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, what an amazing conversation with author, actor, and keynote speaker, April Hernandez-Castillo. You know, April has so much energy. I just loved our conversation. There was so much goodness there. But my really big takeaway was this whole notion of having your non-negotiables. April talked about how we all want to be successful, but at what cost? You know, I always talk about your career as the intersection of your amazing talents, your passions, and the organizational needs. But remember, your career isn't a ladder. It is a journey, and it's all about choices, trade-offs, and risk-taking. So as you play through that model, you've got to make sure you know what you're willing to do and not willing to do, because there's nothing worse than making a trade-off that you regret later. Well, that's our show for today. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we will deliver a brand new show every single week. Of course, check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms. And most importantly, in your career, do not be that boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.